This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Want to know what's going on in your neck of the woods and learn the history and the people behind the events that you love across the state? Get to know the real Mississippi. Check out MPB Think Radio's Next Stop Mississippi podcast on all platforms or on the MPB public media app. Welcome to AutoCorrect, helping you correct your auto problems. Our host is Coach Charlie Melton, ASC Certified Master Technician. I'm Jermaine Flood. Hello, Coach Charlie. Hello, how are you doing today? Doing good, Coach. How is your how has your week been? I've had a wonderful, wonderful week. I went deep deep sea fishing last Saturday, came back, caught a few fish. Now I'm ready to go again. What what kind of what kind of fish do you catch in the deep sea? Well, these are all red snappers. Okay. But I have a good story. Yeah. I went deep sea fishing. I was 242 feet off the uh, deep in the water, Mm. and I caught a rock. Uh, Like a real rock? Like a rock rock? A piece of concrete. 242 feet down, there was just a small hole big enough for the hook to go in. (laughs) And I thought I had the biggest fish because it weighed about 15, 20 pounds. Yeah. And I come up. And it was a piece of concrete attached to your hook. A piece of concrete. Wow. I was the only one to catch a rockfish. <laughs> <laughs> How big was the fish that you did catch? Were they uh, comparable we, to the concrete? We called anywhere <laughs> from uh, five pounds to about 20 pounds. Okay. okay. Each one of them. We they called about 17 of them. We had about seven or eight people, uh, seven people fishing. Okay. It was ha- good. Has the eating been good? I ate it the next day and it was delicious. I know it was red snapper. That sounds good. It was good. Oh, wait. I'm ready to go again. Right, right. Well, we're going to get you on the road today and then you can get back on the sea later. That's right. right. (laughs) But today we're talking about selling your car. Our email address for questions is auto at mpbonline.org. Okay, I didn't find a definition because it would be like how to or what is a sale, coach. But I did find some quick facts about selling a car. So here's three quick facts, and then it all comes from a 10 Steps for Success in Selling Your Car list um, by Kelly Blue Blue. Say that three times fast. Kelly Blue Blue Book. Book. That's it. (laughs) By by Kelly Blue Book, but I'll have a link to it um, in our podcast description. But when putting your car on the market, you want to decide whether to trade it in at a dealership, sell it yourself, or get an instant cash offer. That's number one. Number two, even if you plan to sell a car yourself, it's wise to get backup offers from one or more dealerships and use them as leverage. And then number three, selling a vehicle yourself brings the most profit, but you must stay cautious. Coach, how do you feel about that? Well, you know, there's three ways to sell your car. And like I said, the first one would be a trade-in. So if you're going to buy a new car, you go to the dealer, they trade it in, you Mm -hmm. trade it in, and they give you the least amount of money. So that's the trade-in value. Yeah. Because you got to understand when they do a trade-in, they're doing the dealer has to make money if he sells it to an auction, if he sells it to another individual, he has marked that car up, so he's going to give you the least amount of money. Okay. Then you have one that's called a residual. Okay. A residual is if the vehicle comes off of a lease, and say your vehicle comes off a lease, you can sell that vehicle for the residual amount that is left. On it, on the lease. Right. So if it was worth $30,000 and you paid 15000 on it, the residual is 15000 That's what you could sell it for. Okay. Okay. You couldn't trade it in for that much. 
Right. Now, during COVID, we could. Since COVID is over, uh, used car prices have went down. Okay. And so you just got to watch people on that part. Yeah. Then you have a retail uh, selling. And when you retail it, that's like selling it to uh, you're, you're selling it for the highest price that could be paid. And there's a big markup in retail. Mm. Okay. And then you have a private owner. Okay, that's where you're going to get your best deal to a private ownership. And that means that one owner, two owners owned it, and you're talking to the owner directly. Directly. Okay. So that is the best way to go. To sell your vehicle. To sell your vehicle. To sell your car. What out of those three ways or slash four ways would you prefer selling your car? Does it depend on what kind of car you've got? It depends on what kind of car, and it really depends on how much time you got. Say if you want to buy a new car and you don't owe a payment on the old car yeah. and you can take the time, I would sell it privately. Got you. I would never trade one in if I didn't have to. Got you. So uh, we've got a situation like that with my mom. Car paid off. Car still has low mileage. I think we're still under 50 thousand. Of course, we don't want to do the trade-in option because she probably won't get the most out of it. But the trade-in option sometimes seems the easiest. It is the easiest. But once again, a lot of people trade their vehicles in and they still owe money on them and you get upside down. Right. And when I say upside down, they're giving you so much for your vehicle. But really what they're doing, they just added a little bit more on the new vehicle you bought. And now you really are paying for the old vehicle yeah. and the and new, new vehicle, vehicle, and you didn't get much for a trade-in at all. That's probably what happened to me, but my old vehicle was really bad, and it was like dire. Well, there's a lot of factors in how you sell your car, even if it's a wholesale, retail, a private. There's a lot of factors that go involved. Yeah. The first thing is, how old is the vehicle? Okay. Did that vehicle have mechanical problems? Are uh, known mechanical problems mm-hmm. from the factory. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because people, you know, today people get on the internet, they do the research of these vehicles if they're going to buy one. And so that's the first thing. And then they're going to go about the mileage of the vehicle. Yeah. What mileage is on the vehicle? Now, a lot of people are buying trucks anywhere from 125 to 175,000 miles mm-hmm. for pickup trucks because engines are better they're better better maintained yeah so and then like you were saying on your mother's vehicle you know warranties are longer you know some warranties go to 50 to seventy thousand miles and if they're manufactured warranties no matter who owns it the manufacturer has to take care of it Mm -hmm. see here's the 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 rub i see nancy on the line she's got a question um that's very much in line with our topic today but here's the rub about my mom's car it's a 2015 um chevy chevrolet tracks right Mm -hmm. under fifty thousand. i'm just guessing in my head they're probably going to give us less than five thousand just because of its age right and i feel like it's 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 due more than that that's how i feel well, that's when you go to private ownership. Okay. And now there's a lot of places. And I know we got a phone call and going to talk about this, but there's a lot of places you can go in order to find out how much that car's worth. Okay. Well, let's get Nancy on the line. Nancy's giving us a call from Past Christiane. She's got a question about the value of a 1999 Ford Explorer. Nancy, you're on with Coach Charlie. Thank you. Hi, Coach. Hello. <laughs> uh, yes, sir. Uh, I have a. Um like she said, a, a 1999 uh, Ford Explorer. It's been sitting in the driveway for a year now. Um, and um, 
Oh, we lost we lost her. Nancy, you still with us? Nancy, we're going to find out the value of this 1999 Ford Explorer come what may. Nancy, give us a, <laughs> give us a call back if you've dropped out. Um, we would love to help you figure out that um, question that you have about your 1999 Ford Explorer. But yeah, coach, when it comes down to, you know, trying to get the most out of your car, it's so many different ways. And then you kind of got to determine whether or not you want to take the long path or the short path. And the short path is going to give you the least money. And the long path will give you the most. Right. And it's according to what you're looking for. If you just if you just say if you want a vehicle and you want to trade every six months, every year, then you may want to take and just trade them in because really you don't have a lot of money invested in the vehicle. Mm-hmm. If you trade every year, you don't have a lot of money invested in the vehicle. Right. And it's going to be under manufacturer warranty at that time. And you're yeah. still going to get what they are going to give. Now, the dealers are the ones who gives the prices of those vehicles. Okay. So they make their own prices. Yeah. And how they make their own prices is how much margin that they want to make. Yeah, that they would make. Right, because there's that not profit. Not what your car is worth. Really not what the car is worth, but really how much uh, margin they want to make off that vehicle. Right, right, and right. And so you got that middleman. Okay. Yeah. And so when you think about the middleman, you got to think about, well, how much is he going to make off the car in order to give you the right amount for the car? So we talked about the mileage. We mm-hmm. talked about the years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Nancy has a 1999 Ford Explorer. Okay. Right. Well, 99 Ford Explorer, we got to understand how many years it is. Mm-hmm. So that means that it's 24 years old almost. And I'm ready to hear the mileage. I can't wait till she calls us back. Yeah, because the mileage on those vehicles there, like I say, I got a I got a Toyota camera with three hundred and eighty five thousand miles. Yeah. I was gonna sell it for four hundred dollars. Okay, to an individual. Mm-hmm. Because that's all you're gonna get. Right. You're not gonna get nothing out of it because it has so many miles on it and it's two thousand, well it's twenty three years old. Right. So that's one of those things. And then you gotta think about the trim or the interior and the exterior. Mm-hmm. You know, the higher value the trim and exterior mm-hmm. More you're gonna get for the vehicle, right? Right. Okay, so you got to think about all these little gadgets in there. If it has a heated seats, if it has electric seats, you got to think about what the vehicle, what options it comes with. Okay. And in Mississippi right now, and all over the United States, you got to think about if that air conditioner is working. <laughs> That's numero uno, number one. I'll drive a '79 Pinto with with ice cold <laughs> air before I drive a 2023 anything that's gonna break down. But we got Nancy back on the line. Nancy, you're back on with Coach Charlie. Okay, sir. Fine. All right. Well, this 1999 Ford Explorer uh, has been sitting for a year. Okay. It's got a lot of problems inside. Uh, uh, Back doors don't open. Windows uh, don't go up and down. Uh, No back window. Um, It's been abused uh, by somebody. Anyway, it has about 153,000 miles on it. And Ford Explorers were really built like tanks, basically. <laughs> they they have been known to have a good 300,000 miles. Mm-hmm. However, um, I'm due for a newer car. Not a new new, but a, a, a new used. Um, is there some recommendation you could give me on what to do with this thing? Well, a good recommendation. Well, I don't know how much you're going to get back for, but a good recommendation is that you could donate that vehicle. And then... Mm-hmm. 
you could get the tax write off, but you're not going to get much money for that vehicle unless you do a private sale. And then you're still, you know, you can go to uh, Kelly Blue Book, you can go to uh, Auto Traders, eBay, you can go several different Craigslist and see how much those vehicles are selling for right now. But mm-hmm. being that old and all the mechanical problems, that's one thing. That was the next thing. If it has mechanical problems, like if the glass is broke, uh, where the windows don't roll up and down, some of the switches don't work, some of that stuff there uh, mm-hmm. does come into play when you try to sell that vehicle. Mm-hmm. And like I say, mm-hmm. a private individual has to be looking for that vehicle at the time in order to want that vehicle. And like I say, your best bet is, is put a for sale sign on it if you want to and, mm-hmm. you know, put a price on it. Try to find out a good price. You know, the, something like that is going to be three right. $3,000 being that old. You're not going to get a whole bunch, but put a price yeah. on it and yeah. then negotiate from there. Now, Nancy, I don't want you to hang up just yet. So okay. you also wanted to possibly know if you needed to do work before you sold the vehicle, right? Yes, yeah. you, you don't want to do yeah. for that year vehicle, uh, uh-huh. more money you put, it. yeah, more money you put in it, more money you got to get back out mm-hmm. of it. So you got to weigh the, uh, the price of that as well. How much the vehicle's worth, uh, to a private owner and then how much is, can you get for it and how much money you going to put in it? Now, if, if it's, it's probably worth parts maybe to somebody, but, uh, it, it, it's had somebody has abused it, basically. Right. And, uh, and I'm sure that it's not going to be worth anything. It would probably cost me $2,000 right now to, to, you know, try to do something with it. So it's, um, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I was hoping maybe a couple hundred dollars would be would be fine. Right. Right. Now we have an option here, and my mom used it before Nancy hangs up. My mom actually donated her car to Mississippi Public Broadcasting, and when she donated that car, she actually got into being a member of Mississippi Public Broadcasting for a whole year behind that donation. It was one of those Chevy Suburbans, 1995s. We had a whole heap of mileage on it. But inside of that, she got <laughs> she got into the MPB uh, membership. She got the, the magazine each month, and she got access to MPB Passport all off of donating that car. So there's another option, but it's a donate, not a sell. And then you can get the ta- tax write-off because of the donation. Right, right, right. And then if anybody out there, um, Nancy, we thank you so much for your call to. Thank you so much for hitting us right there on the subject line. Um, but if you want to donate your car, you can call one eight seven seven mpb for car and that'll that'll get you into that. But yeah, I love that option, though. That's a good option. Um, if you've got an older vehicle that, right. you know, is just really bad and, and, and raggedy, <laughs> you can just get rid of it. Somebody will come to the house right. and take it away for Pick you. Pick it up, take it away, and be gone. Right. That's how it works. If you've got a question, you can Send your emails to auto at mpbonline.org. We're talking about selling your car. Is your car under recall? I'll tell you how you can find out next. You're listening to AutoCorrect with Coach Charlie Melton. I'm Jermaine Flood. If you want even more AutoCorrect, find our podcast on all podcast platforms for your smart device. AutoCorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. Here's some recent recalls. 
Subaru recalls 35,000 plus Crosstrex Imprezas for short circuit risk. The affected vehicles include model year 2024 Crosstrex and Imprezas. The issue is with the instrument panel harness, which may not have sufficient clearance around it, allowing it to potentially contact the steering beam bracket. If the harness and steering beam bracket come into contact with each other, the harness's wire insulation could become damaged and cause a short circuit. If a short circuit occurs while the vehicle is being driven, the vehicle could lose power, increasing the risk of a crash. To fix the issue, dealers are inspecting the harness and installing an additional clamp on the steering beam bracket. Um, For vehicles with damage, dealers will apply protective tape or replace the harness as necessary. There goes that tape coach. (laughs) (laughs) Both the tape and now both remedies will be provided for free. Owners will be notified October 3rd, but those with further questions can call Subaru. They like that tape coach. They are wrapping it up. (laughs) We got some tape for you. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) And then finally in recalls, 168,000 Toyota Tundra, Tundra hybrid trucks are recalled for a fire risk. And this includes... Um, vehicles model year 2022 to 23 Tundra and Tundra hybrid trucks. The issue involves a fuel tube that may rub against a brake line and cause a fuel leak. Oh, wait, that's a lot. That's what is what's that movie, Abram, um, where it's like all the bad things that could go wrong. They had a whole bunch of uh, sequels to it. Um, somebody knows it. It's like. Like, like series of unfortunate events or something? Yeah, but it's the other movie. Oh, it's I the other one. And they had a whole bunch of, I'm going to get it later. But that's how it was. It's like, it's a domino effect. Yes. But to resolve the issue, dealers will replace, um, I'm trying to think of it and read at the same time, and it's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> she has it, I guarantee you. Liz will find it. Liz is like, what's she trying to find out? To resolve the issue, dealers will replace the fuel tube and additional uh, clamps to the vehicle for free. However, the replacement parts for the recall aren't available yet. So as a temporary fix, dealers will install protective materials and a clamp on the fuel tube. Toyota will begin notifying affected owners of the issue by early October. But those with further questions can contact Toyota. I'm going to find it on the break. It's burning a hole in my head. You can find out if your car has a past recall by going to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration's website, nhtsa.gov forward slash recalls and inputting your VIN, or you can find their Safer Car app. We're talking about selling your car, and we're also taking your vehicle repair questions. So if you got a question about anything outside of selling your car, our email address is auto at mpbonline.org. And the phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 I'm saying it's slow. That's so it all come out. <laughs> Plus, I want to remember that movie. Um, but yeah, Coach, so we're talking about selling your car, and we wanted to maybe touch on a couple of things when it comes down to title status. Talk about that a little bit. Well, you know, there's a lot of people that go out and buy these flooded vehicles and they bring them back to Mississippi and they sell them. And usually the insurance totals those cars out and it has a salvage title on it. Okay. A salvage title can be made where the vehicle is used and be sold again, but it would have salvage on it. And so you want to make sure that title is clear and that title is where it can be sold again. Okay. So you want to be very careful with the titles. Yeah. Make sure that who sold it, that it was signed and it don't have a lien on it. That title thing can get sticky if you don't know. It can get sticky. 
And next thing you know, you sold the car and it wasn't needed to be sold. It was in your car to sell. Yeah. It still had a lien on it. Yeah. So you want to be very careful. You got to be very careful about that. Final destination, Abram. Final That's destination. It. That is it. <laughs> I was in the complete wrong genre of movies entirely. <laughs> it came to me all of a sudden That's and I wrote it. it down. That's it. Final, Final destination. destination. It's like, you know, the 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 hamper didn't close all the way and there was a spark plug next to it that triggered a ball to come down and that's basically how it works that's it (laughs) it's one of those like uh mendel machines or whatever where everything just keeps like the worst way to execute something is how it happens right 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 one one thing leads to another (laughs) one thing leads to another that's how that recall was um yeah so title status is something that you should watch out for something else let's talk about popularity well, the popularity, um, if the vehicle is very popular, a lot of people are going to want it, and you're going to get more money for it. But if it's not, it's one of these vehicles that people look on the internet and they say, well, it's one of the 10 worst cars or mm-hmm. most problematic cars, well, that's another thing you got to look at when you're trying to sell your car, mm-hmm. if it was one that everybody wanted or it was one that nobody wanted. Right. So... I think one of those vehicles that probably has a great resale on it is the Hummers. The Hummers. They don't make them, you know, and there wasn't a whole bunch of them, and a lot of people liked them. Yeah, yeah. And so you can just about give your Hummer away for the same price that you purchased it for, more than likely. So, yeah, that's one of those where the popularity trumps the price. Like uh, pickup trucks. Your pickup trucks are very expensive. Uh, used pickup trucks are very expensive. So when you start talking about those, it's according to what you have and how many people want it. Right, right. We're going to go to the phone lines. We've got Jerry in Oxford on the line. It's a 2017 Impala question. Jerry, you're on with Coach Charlie. Yeah, I got a friend with a 2017 Impala, and the screen went black, the radio and all that. Just blackened out, but when he gets ready to back up, that screen pops up, but it, nothing else is showing. So you're talking about the screen for the navigation and the radio and all that screen, or that? Right. Okay, yeah, um, we did have a recall on some of those not too long ago. We read about a recall mm-hmm. on those screens. Uh, usually, what happens, uh, even if it's a 2017 or even a 2023, right now. Uh, the electronic part of it, once again, it's all controlled by a computer, and most likely that whole module may be bad. Mm. Well, okay. And oh, you may I want. Wondering about it. Yeah, the first thing I want to, what you want to do is check the wiring behind that module. Uh, I just had a guy call me the other day where his screen, matter of fact, it was his cluster, not his spring, uh, screen, but his cluster was going in and out, and the air conditioner was cutting off. And what happened is that the wire connector on the back of the cluster where it goes in was bad not the pins itself so you want to check that wiring real good because like i say it wouldn't be a fuse it wouldn't be a relay because it does work yeah but it only comes on when it wants to and then he could possibly check the recalls though right yeah maybe get a fix for free yeah always go to somebody had told him that he could take the wire off the battery and then to put it back on and that would make it come back on but for a reset I mean, you know it was much 
Yeah, a lot of times they don't do that anymore with the reset with the battery because that's usually they used to do that where they could clear the codes. But most likely that does have a code in there. And if it has a code, it will lead them in a direction of what's wrong with it. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Oh, I appreciate you. I appreciate you, you, Jerry. Yeah. It could, again, have a recall where he can take it in and it it gets fixed for free. Just put your VIN number in. Check the recalls on that vehicle. Yeah, make sure you do that. Oh, I want to give a quick shout out. I thought of it, and then I looked down at my at my notes on the chat, and it says, Will from Carthage said and called in and said Final Destination. So, Will, thank you very much for helping me think that out, because it was burning <laughs> a hole in my head. Our email address where you can send questions is auto at mpbonline.org. We're talking about selling your car between your car repair questions. What What's in the news? The U.S. car loan debt hits record high of $1.56 trillion. I'll tell you more about that next. Thank you for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Coach Charlie Melton, retired instructor from Clinton High School's Automotive Technology Program, is our expert host. I'm Jermaine Flood. I hope you've downloaded our app for your smartphone, the MPB Public Media app. In addition to listening to our show on the app, you can click on the support button and make a contribution. Contributions help keep our programs on the air for you and others to enjoy. And we thank you for your contribution to Mississippi Public Broadcasting. AutoCorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. Side note before I hit the news, Abram, you are not being held accountable for not knowing the final destination. destination. (laughs) I am so disappointed in myself that I couldn't come up with it. I should have known. We are not holding you accountable. I'll give you another chance when my brain goes blank in a few weeks. Yeah, we'll we'll, do it. I'll give it another shot sometime. (laughs) That'll work. (laughs) I'll I'll hold you to that. All right. So in the news, the U.S. car loan debt hits record high of $1.56 trillion, more than than 100 million Americans have some form of car loan. Add me. To that, to that number. Um, the numbers are all historic and monthly car payments and car loan debt are the highest they've ever been. And auto delinquencies are higher than pre-COVID times. Now, I can't be delinquent because I just cannot get my car towed off a random lot. Please, I would have I would be in full tier. Well, you start talking about car loans. Uh, the interest has went up on the car loans. And, that that is, and so that's probably the reason why they're delinquent, because they started out getting it a small and then now it's a lot higher. That too. It says the U.S. reached that $1.56 trillion in outstanding auto debt this week, a new high, um, according to CNBC. The crippling debt is the culmination of multiple factors, including inflation, rising interest rates, and a still mending supply chain and the growth in size, complexity, and price of new cars. So the average used car loan interest rate is over 12% now. That's used car. And the new average monthly payment for a new car is $725. Well, you think about when they tell you you got 0% interest. Well, you do a $45,000 car, and now you got to pay it over 48 months. Well, you know, almost uh, $800 a month. Right. 
Right, right. So it's it's getting crazy out it's, there. There's so much more inside of this story. I will have the link to this story in our show's podcast description. But today, we're talking about selling your car. You can email questions to auto at mpbonline.org. We got a lineup, Coach. We've got Buddy in Natchez. He's got an automatic transmission question or comment. Buddy, you're on with Coach Charlie. Well, hey, I certainly do appreciate this program. I wish it'd extend it to an hour. Uh, I I knew all this stuff, but I've gotten, you know, I'm nearly 78 years old, and I forget a lot of things. I've got a, a 46 Chevrolet that I put a, a 4.3 V6 in it with a, a 700 R4 automatic transmission. And I love that car and the setup in it. I'm going to go back to a straight six with a carburetor and the point type distributor just because I like the old school stuff, but I'm gonna still hook it to that seven hundred R four automatic. And my question is, on the automatic transmission, it has almost like a freewheeling effect to it when you let off the gas, which is a great gas saver. Is that caused by the torque converter or is it controlled in the valve body of the transmission? Well I was uh, thinking do you, you know that? Yeah, do you have a – if it doesn't have a lock-up uh, torque converter in there, then that's where your freewheeling is coming from. But if it has a lock-up uh, torque converter, then it's coming from the valve body itself. Uh-huh. Well, I don't, I don't remember. I'm fixing that. take the front end off of it and pull the engine and all that sort of stuff, put new seals in the transmission and everything. But I, I, I think it does have wires connected to my transmission. It's been, oh, 15 years since I – put all that together and it's got way over 300,000 miles on it so I, I need to go all the way through it again I put a narrow front end and rear end under the car and all that sort of stuff well you should have been on stuff. you should have been over here last week you souped that thing up because you <laughs> souped that thing up it sounds great I'd like to see it oh I'm telling you what I just carried my son Silverado down to get some work done on it which makes me mad because if my kids had come help me clean my shop out I could have done the work <laughs> and saved $600 that's right but, uh, yeah that's aggravating this thing but I've got to clean that shop where I can get my car I've got a 40 Packer and a 47 Buick and a 46 Chevrolet and, and they all need work and I need space to do the work in with the kids they don't mind me putting out the money to get their things fixed by another shop, but they won't come help me clean out my shop or I can fix it for nothing. Yeah, right. they probably don't know anything about that old school. And a lot of times now, like you're saying, a lot of people have to go take it somewhere to get it fixed because all those computers. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's why I want that 46 back on the road again. <laughs> you fix it with what you find on the side of the road most of the time. That's right. Okay, it's in the torque converter R could be in that valve uh, body, depending on that lockup transmission. Okay, I got it. Thank you so much. I used to know all that stuff, and uh, just forgot it. You know, age, and, and if I don't do it every day, I'll forget. I hear that. We go, I'm coming, we buddy. I'm, buddy, I'm coming to clean out the garage, okay? <laughs> thank you. Thank you, brother. That's well, I've waited seven years for the kids. I don't know how much longer I've got to wait. <laughs> I've got you. I know exactly where Natchez is. That's I'm right. on my way. Oh, <laughs> Down under the hill. Good. Appreciate it. Appreciate you, buddy. Great. Thanks for the call. Thank Great you. Show. Thank Great. you, buddy. Thank you, honey. We're going to stay on the phone line. We've got David in Horn Lake. David is on. He's He's got a, a, a interesting question. David, you're on with Coach Charlie. Yeah, I'm calling on behalf of my brother. He's been in line to give. Uh, he lives in Shelby County, Tennessee. He was in line to get uh, for to get the pass out for the free clubs, 
to put on your steering wheel to cut down on thefts. Right. And I told him, I, my question to you is, he's got a Kia, and they're stealing Kia and Honda's right and left in Memphis, Shelby County. I told him, couldn't you just pull the fuse to, to the electric fuel pump, and that would, and, you know, just pull it out, and then when you need it, just put it back in, keep it from stealing, and if so, if that's okay, would that cause any damage if somebody tried to break in and tried to do an extended cranking without the fuse in it? Well, you're taking the fuse out, the fuel pump's not going to work. You know, it's, it's not going to work. Either you can take the fuse out of the fuel pump or take it out of the computer one way or the other. It's not going to work. They can sit there and turn it all day long. It's not going to work, hurt. and they're not going to hurt anything. That starter's just going to turn because they don't have long enough to turn it and just keep trying to crank it. All they're doing is trying to get in there, crank it, and leave. But if you take the fuse out of the computer or the uh, fuel pump, it's it's not going nowhere. Mm. And you don't need a club. You're exactly right. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Thanks, David. He just gave me a tip. New life hack. So if you take it out and you put it back in, it won't hurt anything either? No. What the problem is, most people don't know where the fuse is to those fuel pump yeah. or the computer, you really have to, you can, and now you can find that in your owner's manual. You go to the owner's manual, it'll tell you what every fuse goes to, mm-hmm. but you can go in there, you can pull that fuse out. Wow. Because all it's doing is killing the car. You know. Any year, any, any year model. Any year model that, unless it's old school where you have a manual pump, but any vehicle you can go to today, you pull the fuse out of it, it ain't going to work. 1979 Lincoln. Uh, it has an electronic fuel pump, I do believe. You can just pull the fuse out. Okay. And like I say, it, it doesn't matter if it's the computer. You can pull it out at the start. You can pull the starter fuse, the computer fuse, the fuel pump fuse, or the ignition fuse. You can pull all those fuses. There's no power. And you could just keep them fuses in your pocket you and then come back out and then just pop them back and in. Just, yeah, it's that simple. Open the hood, pop them right back in, or you're good to go. Everybody take note right now. <laughs> a lot of people, well, what a lot of people do, they uh, put a switch in there yeah. that will cut the ignition, cut everything off. And you had to know where they you, you had to know where that switch is in mm-hmm. order to cut it back on. Mm-hmm. Usually it's on the dash, you know, mm-hmm. and they just cut the switch off. And now, if you try to break into the car, the vehicle's not going to start because you just cut the power off to the vehicle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then a lot of people will even put a, um, they'll put something on the battery. Mm-hmm. Well, they'll disconnect the power from the battery mm-hmm. to the car. Wow. And then, once again, it ain't going to start. Tip for my brother, because he's still using a club. Uh, so... <laughs> That's a good tip. You can pull the fuse. Right, right. Okay, we're going to stay on the phone line. We've got Bob in Hattiesburg. He's got a, he wants to know about diesel fuel combustion. Bob, you're on with Coach Charlie. Liable to come. Bob, you still, you're still there? No, no, no. You're saying one o'clock? <laughs> Bob's on another Bob's on another call. <laughs> Bob's on another call. We're going to hold Bob on on the hold for a second. We're going to go to Craig in Biloxi. Craig's got a question about gloves dealing with gasoline. Craig, you're on with Coach Charlie. Hey, good morning. Uh, my latex and vinyl gloves fall apart when I'm uh, messing with gasoline. Is there a good kind of glove that won't fall apart? Well, the latex, and you know, because they're made of plastic, it's a petroleum thing, and they will fall apart. If you're going to do uh, a lot of times, if you go to the gas stations, they have uh, 
a type of glove that's on the fuel pump. It's, I'm on the gas pump itself, and now those are good. But I'm not sure exactly what they are. But you can get some like some nitrile gloves. You know, uh, they're thicker gloves, and they're not going to come apart with mm-hmm. gas. Mm-hmm. Okay, nitrile. Yeah, I, I've I've seen them. I didn't I didn't know which kind would work best. And, yeah, those work uh, fine. Yeah, uh, what's the best thing you can use to uh, pick up oil spills? Uh, I have found uh, sawdust works the best. Well, believe it or not, when I was uh, teaching school, that's all I used. I I used sawdust from the wood shop, and we would put it down, and it would clean it up. That is really the best. If it's not on a very poor surface, if it's on a poor a poor surface, you need to get something uh, like some kitty litter. You know, I wouldn't go buy the uh, the sorbent from the uh, parts store. I'd go get me a fifty pound bag of kitty litter. It does the same thing because that's all it is. Mm. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like kitty litter. I tried that once, and it was, it just turned into a slimy mess. I I I preferred rags or or but uh, sawdust works the best. Yeah, sawdust okay. does work the best. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bob, thank you. Sawdust and kitty litter. Yeah, kitty litter, sorbent is the same thing as you get from the parts store. Yeah. But it's not called kitty litter. Kitty litter, it's called a sorbent. Okay. Well, that's the same thing what kitty kitty litter litter. is. It's clay. Yeah. That's really what it is. It's ground up clay. Okay. Okay. And it helps to pick up the oil. Okay. We're back on the line with Bob. Bob, thank you again for holding on for us. (laughs) You're on with Coach Charlie. All right, thanks for taking my call off. Uh, this is a question I have. And, Coach Charlie, I want to hold you responsible for whatever answer you give me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, but this is a question. I have an airless paint sprayer, and it'll get up to 4,000 pounds, but it's a piston pump. So I'm asking, it says I'm going to don't use motor fuels in this equipment. And because of the pistons and high compression, if you did, somebody did use a fuel and try to pump it through that, that piston pump, would it ignite and explode? Well, you know, it might because right now, if you think about a diesel's compression, if you think of a diesel compression is like 2,500 pounds. Yeah. That's, okay. If you, they are making cars now, if it's direct injection system, uh, GDI. They are spraying gas under pressure at 2,500 pounds. Yeah. Going into that cylinder. Okay. So once you, and you know how hot that's going to get. Oh, yeah. So really, it's according to how much pressure you're putting on that piston on that cylinder. And when you spray it, when that gas gets in there, how hot is it going to get? And is it going to ignite? What is the combustible uh, temperature of that fuel? Yeah. Well, you know, I figured that would be the answer. I knew better than to try that. But, but my other uh, thing I was going to try to do is use like a uh, Thompson water cell. It's like a water repellent. Would that explode too, you think? No, the water repellent is not going to. I don't think I that's going like to. I mean, like Thompson water cell. Are you going to just spray it out of the pump? Yeah. Yeah, that's not, that wouldn't, no, that would be okay. All right. I appreciate you all, y'all's program, and y'all doing a good job. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bob, for giving us a call. Um, I'm going to let everybody know on our next segment why you're the car guru. 
<laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't matter what question it is. You're back to back on it. We're discussing selling your car and taking your repair questions. You can send us an email to auto at mpbonline.org. We've got a new car review from Casey Williams coming up in Coach's Tip of the Week. This is AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Here's a new car review from Casey Williams. It's Auto Casey on AutoCorrect. I'm the kind of guy who likes luxury, but I don't feel I need to shout it with a glitzy brand, which is probably why I like the 2024 Buick Enclave Avenue I'm driving this week. This is their big three-row crossover, seven-seating capacity. And the Avenue brand, that's their luxury sub-brand. So it's kind of like GMC's Denali. So it's just a little bit nicer. Now on the interior, you've got softer leather seats. You've got heated and ventilated front seats with massagers. You've got heated rear seats, Bose audio system and the full suite of crash avoidance systems, including heads-up display. Underneath the hood, a 3.6-liter V6, delivers 310 horsepower, still get pretty good gas mileage for a big crossover, 17 miles per gallon in the city, and 25 on the highway. Underneath the body, and this is what I really like about it, it has an adaptive suspension system, so you can set it for touring mode, it's very comfortable on the highway, or put it in sport mode if you want to play. But this thing does come with a luxury price. Starts under $45,000, as equipped, $62,095. See the full video on his YouTube channel, Auto Casey, and listen to AutoCorrect on the MPB Think Radio YouTube channel. This is AutoCorrect. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show from autocorrect.mpbonline.org. AutoCorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. Stay tuned after the show at 11 a.m. at Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. And I'm Jermaine Flood, and our expert is Coach Charlie Melton, ASC Certified Master Technician. It's time for Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. I do want to let you know, if you're going to sell your vehicle, make sure that you do the research and do go to Edmonds, go to uh, Kelly Blue Book, find out how much your car is worth. Uh, according to where you live, it'll be tell you how much the vehicle's worth because some cars are more popular in other states. Just do your research and get the most for your car that you can. Right. And then you're talking about accident and flood that they need to lo- watch out for too, right? Yeah, you got to think about a hurricane season and all these different disasters. A lot of places get these cars from the insurance and from auctions that have been in floods. Yeah. Make sure it's not a flood vehicle. Make sure you're not selling a flood vehicle because what it does, it destroys electronics in it. Right. It will be a flood vehicle if I sell it because my last name is Flood. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Thanks, Abram. Okay. So why Coach is the car guru is because he has um, a record of back-to-back wins of the Mississippi Auto Skill, um, student auto skill winners. He was the instructor for four, well, he was an instructor for 20 years, but he was the instructor for four back-to-back wins um, with the Clinton High School Career Complex 08, 09, 10, and 11. Coach, you got these kids something that they needed when you when you all won these, right? Well, they were getting scholarships. They would go up to Dearborn, Michigan after they won the state. They'd go to Dearborn, Michigan and compete against uh, the whole country. And I was there for 20 years, and we were in that competition for 16 years, and we won it for 12 years. That's you know, wow. And the kids won about a million dollars in scholarships, and they no longer have the Ford Auto Skills. Now they have a Toyota skills competition. Okay, okay, okay. And people, y'all were so good, people thought y'all were cheating. Yeah, the students, uh, <laughs> they thought we were cheating, and my students one day just told them, said, if you think we're cheating, we'll take your vehicle. 
and they'll still win. That's because they had Coach Charlie as their instructor. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we've got a couple of calls. We're trying to get to all of them before we get out. Timothy's on the line. He's got a not holding charge question. Timothy, you're on with Coach Charlie. Timothy, you still there? Hey there. Yeah, I'm still here. Uh, Yes, I have a... um uh, 68 Plymouth satellite. It's got a full party in it. Um, the problem happened. It's not keeping, not uh, charging. I, I could go to the store and, and go in and come out, and it started dragging when I tried to start it back up. So I, um, I got another battery, and I, I know I'm supposed to do this. I took the uh, negative cable off to see is it the taking the alternator, and I uh, it, it turns off. It shuts off. So. I took it. I took it out, and I took it to um, a place here in Mobile that uh, rebuild starters and uh, alternators. And he he checked. He said it's doing what it's supposed to do. I said okay. I put it back in. Did the same thing. I took it to another place that does the same thing. He checked it also, and he said that it's okay. So I, I ran a wire from the alternator to the battery. And I checked the voltage in it, and it's, it, it doesn't increase over 13 um, volts uh, or nothing. It still stay, stays the same as the battery uh, voltage, like 12.5 or something like that. It never increases. Okay. So that, I put, go ahead. I'm sorry. I had it by – so I put – see, I got a, like 130-amp um, alternator because I added fans and the AC system. So to double-check, I put my old 55-amp – um, um, alternator in it, and I started it up. And I did the same thing. I took the uh, the the, uh, the uh, negative battery cable off it. It stayed on for about five seconds, then it turned off. Yeah, let me ask you one quick so, second because our we time's got, almost yeah, up. Yeah, we got one minute, Timothy. Yeah, Timothy, mm-hmm. uh, does it have a voltage regulator on the firewall? If it does, I would check that voltage yeah. regulator because if it has it, if it has that, that's probably your problem, the mm-hmm. voltage regulator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I had one on and I checked it. I had voltage going in and out of it. Um, it wasn't, it was still the same amount. Of that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. You're probably going to need a voltage regulator on that vehicle. Okay. Yeah. Well, Timothy, I hope that helps. I hate that we ran out of time. William in Belleville. William, you had a Kia recall question. If you can, you can email that question to auto at mpbonline.org, or you can give us a call next week at one eight seven seven mpb ring because we really want to know what you have to say about the Kia recall. We've been fixing Kias all day. No, <laughs> we're making sure they're not getting stolen. That's, that's right. for sure. <laughs> Well, that'll wrap us up for today's show. Autocorrect. Our crew engineer is Abram Nanny. Our call screener, Liz Gill. For Coach Charlie Melton, Master Technician, I'm Jermaine Flood. It's been a great show. I'm the episode and podcast producer. Thanks for listening to Autocorrect on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.